Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I'm here again today with Dr. Molly Harney. She is an Associate Professor at the University of Minnesota, Duluth, and she is in their Department of Education in their Early Childhood Studies. I'm just excited to continue our conversation, Molly, because we talked in our first podcast about the different types of trauma so that the idea of positive stress, um, tolerable stress, and then that, that area of toxic stress. And so you shared a lot of great tools for helping supporting children who are maybe experiencing some of those positive things, which are natural parts of life that we want them to experience. But then at the end of our our podcast, we started to get into some of those toxic realms of stress and how that trauma can really affect a child in care. Sometimes they we are able to know that because we see the full picture of their lives, but sometimes we don't. And so... I think um, it'd be really helpful for our listeners during this podcast to talk about ways that we as professionals or parents and family caregivers, um, how can we help children navigate those really toxic times and those hard times when sometimes those behaviors are big and we just want to move away. We just want, I mean, it's because we don't know what to do as grownups. How do we handle it? And, And so I'm looking forward to hearing your insights on working in that situation and, and best ways to support children in care. Thank you for something. As you were talking about kind of big behaviors when trauma is a part of a child's life, I, I was kind of back up to two things and one being the environment in which the child is asked to participate in. And the other is the relationships that the child has within that environment. And those two things uh, can I think never be ignored or be underestimated. And so if a child is in an environment, in a caretaking environment where they're demonstrating or asking for um, help with behaviors, negative mm-hmm. behaviors is to say, or shutting down behaviors, mm-hmm. uh, it's always important to look at what is happening in the environment. Are, are the lights too bright? Are the lights too dim? Are, are there too many people? in the environment? Is there something about voices? You know, there's just so many things to um, navigate through, but that environment is where the child is determining their safety, Mm -hmm. how they can then relax into or not relax into um, the play that we expect children to engage in. So that's always a a starting place for me. The other is um, what is happening with the relationships and like you were saying earlier, we might not know things about a child's home situation, um, community networking situation. Um, so to not assume anything about a child's relational health, I'll say, um, mm. to step into relational experiences with children at the developmentally appropriate level, of course, and um, and very personally, very um dedicated to that individual child. So not that they're all four-year-olds, not that they're all two-year-olds, but this is an individual child coming into your setting, Mm. telling you something about who they are through their behavior. So how can we or whomever step into a relationship with the child to understand them better, to get just really get to know them, not as a four-year-old, but as an individual child? 
Um, yeah. I think when we can do that and it takes time, it takes energy, it takes extra people sometimes. Um, but by doing that, we're thinking or uh, reacting, responding to the individual child's behavioral requests, if we call it that, or interactions that can guide us. Uh, one of the things we know about early life is that um, more more brain development happens, as we all know, before five than any other time. Yeah. And, right. and while we know that part, so kind of, it's kind of become white noise in our field, right? What yeah. we often don't think about is the impact about related to those early years. We do know that the brain grows more then or develops more, but the impact of the experiences is also more acute during that time. Wow. So it takes between zero and five, it takes less impact to make more of a long-term reaction um, or long-term, well, impact on the health of the brain. Um, yeah. So that awareness is so, so critical. So what we do with young children has a huge impact early in their lives. What's happening at home is having a big impact in their lives. So how do we meet children where they are and recognize where they are neurologically, if you will, where their brains are developing? Um, and with that said, what we know from science is that the brain develops from the bottom up and actually from the inside out, but from the bottom up, meaning that brainstem, diencephalon, limbic system is the first parts of the brain to be um, actively engaged. The neocortex thinking part of the brain comes on, on board. I mean, it's all developing at the same time, but matures later. Okay. Where yeah. brainstem is maturing very early. When children are impacted by environmental traumas, sometimes their regulatory system, their brainstem, diencephalon, and limbic system need support. Yeah. And support shows up in sensory, somatic, tactile, rhythmic, repeated experiences that help children regulate so that they, they can relate with the people mm -hmm. in their environment so that they can think, or as Bruce Perry says, reason. So yeah. recognizing when children come into our environments who are demonstrating behaviors that would suggest that they might have trauma, stress, a need for support, meeting them where they are as an individual, getting to know them as a person, whether they're two or five, and then supporting how they best regulate. So is mm. it through tactile experiences? Do, you, do they need to be rocked when they mm -hmm. transition from home to school? Do they need time to feed the goldfish for a little bit so they can, you know, incorporate themselves in their environment, not go right to the circle and start performing, if you will, as a yeah. two or a three-year-old. Mm -hmm. And so I think uh, opening up our um, way of being with children, and I know it's easy for me to say when I'm not in, the, in a classroom with 30 children or seven toddlers, um, yeah. you know, so very easy for, for one to just say broadly, um, but the more the environment is supportive of those sensory experiences, tactile experiences, has a rocking chair in the corner, has yeah. places where children can touch, feel, smell things. Um, that supports that brain regulation mm -hmm. so that then they can come 
and be a partner with both the adults in their lives as well as the children in their lives so that then they can be successful yeah. when they're successful and then they can be creative. I can do more of that. I can help yeah. you build the bridge with the blocks because I, w- I was given the opportunity in my care to call myself to tell people how I what I need. Yeah. And now I can go partner with people. Yeah. And we expect, I think, you know, in a childcare setting where there's a lot of busy bodies, we're expecting a lot out of kids to just pop in the door and say, I'm ready for the day. It's and and I love, you know, your reminder of of having that goldfish by the door so that as that child comes in, they can do some of that calming entrance with just watching that fish swim a little bit, or that sensory table is right as they walk in so that they can spend as much time as they need before they're ready to join the rest of the group. I think that the challenge in our field so often is we forget we we're expected. I think there's a lot of expectations for the routine and all of those other um, maybe uh, broader rules and regs and all of that, that sometimes we forget about that little person in the center who, as you said, is that unique individual who may need some flexibility. They So the challenge, I think, as we're talking here, Molly, is, you know, how does someone who has that larger group, how do you have that flexibility? And then you're struggling inside. And I know I've heard this from folks who are doing care for children, who are providing care for children. Then, I, then it looks like I'm letting them get away with everything because then if they're spending all that time at the goldfish bowl and everybody else has to go to group, how am I, how do I handle that? And, and, you know, so how do we handle that? What can we do? How can we support that child who needs that time, but also help the other children understand that's okay. And it's important, you know, that's a skill we want them to know about. Right. Right. Yeah, and I think I think you're touching on the environmental piece mm-hmm. in that it, you know, so if we're setting up our early childhood classrooms um, programs to uh, meet the needs, the developmental needs of all the children who join us, then having you know regimented sit down in a circle. It's time to for 45 minutes. We're going to find out what's yeah. on the calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, knowing that that is not a match for all children. Um, so to, to kind of rethink if I could be so bold, um, Mm -hmm. why are the children there? Um, and you know, the, the recognition, which I love of the need to support the social and emotional health of young children prevailing over, do they know the calendar? Um, you know, and, and so you, you made a point a minute ago about, you know, the children not kind of following along and, what I think about related to that is children who are trauma impacted, which is, you know, kind of the population we're talking about, will tell us what they need. Yeah. They will tell us what they need. It isn't always what we want. Yeah. The flow of the other classroom activities and things like that. But if we recognize that there is a child who needs a different kind of support and what are what's my environment doing to support that child and all the children, you know, what adjustments might I make? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, thinking about our work is as having children at the center, which we believe, and I don't think an early childhood practitioner would argue that what we do every day is put children at the center. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that sometimes means we rethink our environment. Yeah. And yeah. and how we spend how our schedule, which is part of that environment. Um, and so it's that evaluating from a social and emotional developmental perspective, what's our day like? Mm-hmm. Who's yeah. in our day? Yeah. Um, you know, I also want to be really clear that there are children who need professional help. Mm-hmm. Um, children who have trauma impacted lives need a, a level of expertise that is beyond my expertise. Um, be, you know, I have partners in the area in which I work that I call on regularly. And so, you know, I'm going to refer someone to you. Could you come in and see a situation? You know, so I know we're in this coaching model. We're all believers in not doing it by ourselves. And boy, working with children who we know have been impacted by trauma is a time in which we can't assume that we have all the answers as an individual. Um, It's too, too dangerous. And what I, for the child to not be supported fully. And what I, I think about when I'm working with children who are impacted by trauma is that I always think they don't have time for me to figure it out on my own. Yeah. I have a baby, right. Yeah. And I work with little, little babies. And if I have a baby who's in a situation that there's some toxic situation for me to you know, just kind of feel it out and think about it. And what if, um, you know, that when I think about neurological development, oh, yeah. doesn't have time. No, that's so true. I think, you know, this, the model that this organization hosts in terms of collaborative support for providers and caregivers and parents, um, this is the exact model that children who and families who are impacted by trauma mm-hmm. need mm-hmm. all, all the eyes and ears, all the people who can go, you know, I've tried adapting my environment to add, yeah. you know, coffee beans to the, well, we don't want to add food, but add something to an environment that makes a difference. And that might be the thing we do. So I think, um, I think when we're coming out of, you know, our experiences with children and families who have been um, impacted by trauma to reflect with others I do reflective practice with the community of practice I work with. I have a reflective practitioner. Yes. So to not do it alone. Um, and and then for the, the children mm-hmm. in the center, um, they're all the better for all of our yeah. collective wisdom. Truly. Yes. And, and our coaches all receive reflective practice as well. And so, you know, it is just, it's a helpful way of really thinking through how you, how you're carrying what you're, working with every day and how that is impacting the providers they support. And then in turn, we're supporting those providers to do the same for the families that they're spending time with. Um, I, I think that, you know, what you were saying, Molly, about the fact that that baby doesn't have time, that's, that's such a good reminder. And especially with, you know, the idea of, we talk a lot about in our work at the Center for Inclusive Childcare, just helping children and or helping providers understand those red flags for development because Early intervention is so critical when we look at that. Early intervention is just as, if not more critical when it comes to trauma and little ones, especially as you were sharing the whole process of that brain development. And I loved, can you say the, um, the part about talking about the, the, those first five years and the greater impact on the brain for those traumatic experiences? That just, I would love to be able to close with you sharing that again. Sure. 
what we know about early brain development is the the earlier in life, the the more uh, substantial the experience is on the impact of later development. So mm-hmm. it takes less experience, if we could call it that, sure. to have a greater impact. And that can be positive or negative. And I use uh, language development as kind of my typical model. So we're all in awe at the magic of language acquisition yeah. early, early in life. And it just kind of magically happens, right? It takes very little uh social interaction, verbal information for children to learn language mm-hmm. carries with them their lives, right? Their whole life, yes. The same goes for trauma. Yeah. It very little trauma to have a really big impact um, be- because the brain early in life, zero to five, zero to eight, you know, progresses, is wiring so prolifically and mm-hmm. making all those neural connections in the seconds of a child's life, not yeah. when a birthday party happens or Christmas day. It's not when it's happening. It's happening when a child cries and isn't picked up. Yep. When the child asks a question and they're ignored. Mm-hmm. The child gets to pet a dog and somebody talks through what that dog is all about and they're learning language around it. That's yeah. when brain, how brains develop. And yeah. so recognizing the power of the moment as we're, supporting development, and then also recognizing the impact those moments have early, early in life. Wow, that's beautiful. And I would love to read, I'd love to reach out to our listeners right now to, to ask you to share with us. I mean, this has been a powerful, powerful podcast, Molly, with so many great reminders and great, great tips of just ways for people to frame their environments, but I'd, I'd love to hear from you, our listeners, on what you're going to do tomorrow differently than you did today, having heard Molly's um, information that she shared. How are you going to provide that flexible, supportive, adaptive, regulatory, um, you know, I, I, is it, I think Dr. Perry, that sensory somatic kind of that beautiful picture that I pick, I see in my head of someone holding a baby, feeding that baby and all that's going on and that baby's taking it all in with the eye contact and the smile and the total attentiveness. How are you as a childcare professional out there tomorrow going to do some of that in your childcare settings? We'd love to hear from you on social media. So please respond back to us. Thank you. Thank you, Molly Harney, for your time today. I look forward to further podcasts with you. She's got a whole list of great topics, and I'm so grateful for the work she's doing with us on our board of directors, but also the work she's doing in the world, training and supporting those who are going through their education to try to learn more about this topic and really come out on the other side more equipped. So thank you for your time today, Molly, and I appreciate all that you do. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.